You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're tonight in the book of 1 Samuel, and if you'll take your Bibles, 1 Samuel, and uh, chapter 15 tonight, 1 Samuel 15. I've been in 1 Samuel in my personal Bible reading. I love reading about Samuel. What a wonderful man. What a wonderful life and ministry and testimony. What a brokenhearted man. He had so many disappointments in life. And you know, I, I can tell you, I love life. I just, I really love life. But I can tell you this, and young people, I hope you'll hear me, and young couples, you live long enough. Life's full of a lot of sorrow. Man that's born of woman, his days are few and full of sorrows. I don't want to focus my life on all the sorrows. But they come every day. They just come every day. They're all the time. And the older you get, the disappointments come. And, and the betrayals come. And the heartaches come. But I tell you what I'll carry with me this week what you just sang, Jesus Christ has made to me all I need. You know, a pastor a lot of times has people saying exactly what he needs. I was in my car the other day listening to KMBBC. No, I was in my wife's car. She had the CD going of the, the trio that just sang, Brother Alvin and his wife and daughter. And, and she was listening. It, 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 it matters to the master. And I dictated myself a note. I just erased it in my office tonight because he said, they need to sing that this Sunday. And I heard him practicing yesterday with Brother Galvan. And I said, you won't believe it. I, I, I've been wanting to ask you to sing that song. You're singing that tomorrow night? They said, we are. It matters. Uh, God, God, God ministers to my heart personally through you people. I appreciate you so very much. I look at those months and months and months what you went through and really no criticism, no attack. God allowed you to see God win a victory. And you didn't complain and you sat in those tents. In fact, I had someone at the door tell me this morning, I kind of wish we'd go back out to the tent. You just want to bring Starbucks is probably what you want to bring. Those were happy days. And once a year, as the stones out front what mean these stones? I preached that message in this empty auditorium. And we built a stone monument right here. What mean these stones? Once a year, we're going to go back out there. We're going to put up all the tents. We're going to go out there once a year and remember what took place during COVID. I don't know what the government's going to do. They might have COVID round two, round three. I, I don't know. But I do know there's something going on in this world. I read Brother Poussin, God bless him and his wife. They give me all these missionary letters and emails. I would guess 150 a month or so. And I read them. As I read them, I, I'm going to share something with my staff tomorrow in prayer meeting. As I read them, they're all still under situations with COVID. It's just terrible. Some countries are just this last week locked them all down, shut everything down again. 
I, I don't know all about it. You know more about it than me. And what, what's, what it, what's real and, and it is real. And what's not, what's government control what, and what's satanic. I don't know about it all. But I know that, that we're living on the last days. It's just believe he's coming again. And I believe anyway I look at it, one of these days, I'm either going to go home by way of a casket or by way of the rapture. But both would have to be nearer than they've ever been before in my life and in yours as well. And I don't want to live these days of my life as a grump. I don't want to live negative. I don't want to live depressed and discouraged. And you know, I get to that page on my prayer list of all the backslidden people and some I've known for five and 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years and more. And it's a grief to pray over that. It just grieves my heart to pray. It weights me down. And then I pray over that list of all the preachers that have been sent out of this 30, over 30 some that just sat right next to me. They're pastoring now. And then almost 50 men out of the Bible college already out pastoring. And then some, I get to their name and I see, oh no, they're changing, they're wavering. They're being influenced differently than they've been taught. It just breaks my heart. Kept me up again last night. Just, just the, the sorrow that they're tampering with. I know the end result. It's going to destroy their ministry, their life. They'll not have jewels and crowns for Jesus Christ at the Bema seat. I know it. We, we think this is all new stuff. It's not new. This has been around since the first church. Read the book of Acts, particular chapter 20. Read the book of 2 Peter. Uh, read the book of Jude. Read as Paul begins to deal with those churches in the early church, how they began to immediately corrupt. I say all that because when I got to chapter 15 this week, it's such a wonderful chapter. It's really about the journey of a man. You know, life's a journey. Uh, a journey is literally by definition from destination to destination. And my destination began in Milwaukee, Wisconsin so many years ago when I was born. And I got born again in 1956. And I've been on this journey a long time. And I love my journey. I love it. I love being a pastor. I've always loved it. And I love it more, Brother Jim Brown, Vicki Beckett. I love it more today than I've ever loved it. I love being a pastor. I love being married to that wife of my sweet girl, though even though she bosses me around. You're saying that because she's not here. She's in the nursery and she just heard me say that. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, she does. I, I love being married to her. I love our children, grandchildren. I love the deacons God gave me except for that one. Uh, but I love them all other than that one. I love all the deacons. Brother Van Dyke, we're so blessed to have you and your wife and all the 30-some deacons God's given me. I love the staff, most of them. I love them all. God's so good. I, I have the best journey of life. But on journey of life, there's joys and there's sorrows. There's victories and there's defeat. There's health and there's sickness. There's joy and there's betrayal. 
Uh, there is, there, there's good times and there's bad times. Our, our journey is filled with different experiences. But on the journey, every experience is for our good. He said, I'm on my journey tonight. I don't like it. I know. And I don't like you going through that journey. But nothing's touching you that God did not know of. And God says, my grace is sufficient. You said, but I'll live the rest of my life with tears. Oh, I know that. I've seen that happen in my own life and I see it happening and has happened with other people as well. Life is not easy. We used to sing songs about life a lot in the 60s. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What joys are mine? Oh, there's new life in Christ. I want to speak tonight from one text, one verse but I'm going to use this entire chapter. I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open. And we'll walk through it together, not point one, point two. But I want you to see tonight that here is Saul. And Saul is getting instruction from Samuel. And Samuel received the instruction from God. And Saul began to change the directions that he was given and we come to verse number 18. Verse 16, Samuel said, when thou was little in thy sight, he's saying this to Saul, who was the king, when thou was little in thy sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey. And God's going to tell him that journey. I want to speak on those three words, on a journey. On a journey. You're on a journey. I'm on a journey. Our Father, I'm on my journey home. We used to sing in the youth group. My Lord, I'm on my journey. My Lord, I'm on my journey, on my journey home. If you get to heaven before I do, I'm on my journey home. I pray that tonight you'd help us as we travel from one destination to another. I'm going to a city where the roses never fade. And I'm so thankful that this journey has been such a good journey. And I'm looking forward to many more days to live and serve thee if you tarry. God, maybe tonight we'll see thee and our journey will come to a close. Help us to see that Saul was on a journey and he totally destroyed the journey. It was all his decision. And I'm responsible how I faced my journey. Bless these dear, dear people tonight. And I pray that the word of God would help them. They'd put something in their arsenal of their soul to help them as the journey gets tough on the pathway of life. In Jesus' name, amen. For years I've said, and you've heard me uh, and I'll adapt it to different, tonight it's the word journey. Find, we used to say your purpose, find your response, find, but find your journey. Find your journey and fulfill your journey and finish your journey. When I'm dead and gone, if the Lord tarries and you live, I hope you'll always remember, find, find what you're supposed to do. 
and then fulfill what you're supposed to do and then finish it. Stay with it. All that, you have to fight for it. But most are frustrated on the journey. Please hear me. Most people I deal with are always looking for something else. You'll never find what you're looking for looking for something else. God's journey comes to you, I being in the way the Lord led me. You have to be in the way. People that are not doing anything for God, you're not going door to door, you're not, you're not knocking on doors, you're not teaching a class, you're not working on a bus route, you're not helping in Sunday school, you're not doing it. No, I say, people that are not involved, and they, they, I guarantee it, you're looking for a journey, I'm looking for this, and you're gonna find the wrong journey every time. God always calls a man or a woman when they're working. Here's the thing, we're looking for the bigger and the better. So many are looking to, I, I gotta go pastor church. I, I gotta go do something. Why don't you come to men's prayer meeting every Saturday night? Let's start with that. Let's do that for a year or two. Why don't you start by coming to Sunday school every week? Why don't you come by going to soul winning every week? Why don't you start, come by being part of the Bible distribution? Why don't you start doing something now? Don't, don't go in the ministry thinking all of a sudden, okay, I'm gonna be faithful to everything. Stop looking for the bigger and the better. It's a poor illustration, but it's an illustration of my own life. I was in Bible college. Dr. Scoville called me into the office. Actually, his wife did, and I met with him. They said, Jack, we want you to go to Platteville, Wisconsin. There's a church that's there, and they shut the doors, and you're gonna go with a married couple, and you're gonna go there, 1970, you're gonna go there and open the church up again. I'll never forget going there and going to the dormitories at the University of Wisconsin and knocking on doors on Saturday and dormitory doors and asking people to come. I have, I found it last year during COVID, I have the original cue card that I made for that Sunday, the songs I was gonna lead and, and the solo I was gonna sing, and I'm not a soloist. That day I was so scared, my knees were knocking together. I had a pianist, the preacher's wife, and he was gonna preach and I was the music man. And that day, that day, we had three on the platform and four in church. It's amazing, I, I was gonna tell you this before I, a pastor from Platteville, Wisconsin sent me a video this morning. I was preaching back there a couple years ago on a Monday night and it's such a wonderful night. The church is located now on a golf course. And I was preaching there, and they said, we've got a young couple, Brother Treber. They were high school kids when you were here. And I remember there were two high school kids that were there on that, out of those four. They said, they're still in the church, 1970. They're still in the church. And they're gonna come and sing. They're gonna sing with their family. And I thought, well, they got married. God bless them. I wonder if, they, I, I, I'm not thinking almost 50 years. I'm thinking, I wonder how many little, little babies they have going to sing with them. And all of a sudden, this entourage came up there. There was over 40 some people. And he said, these are their children, their children's mates, and their grandchildren. That pastor today sent me a video of all them on the platform singing that song Brother Martinez and your family sings, I forget it right now, and I heard him singing it. 
And you could tell they must have listened to the tape. Brother Martinez still in church. Is that you back there? Why are you eating nachos already? <laughs> Quality control. Is that what you said? <laughs> Quality control? <laughs> I'll take care of quality control, my brother. I'm talking about the <laughs> You know, he's really not normal, but we love him anyway. I'm talking about the fact that they sent me and I heard them singing that song. Yeah, there's a song where your daughter's playing, Brooke's playing the ukulele. They had a ukulele over there playing this morning. It was incredible. God sent me there, leading music to four people in the auditorium. Blessed assurance. Imagine what that must have sounded like. And the sweet lady, I don't know, she's probably with the Lord now, just playing away, dinging away on the piano. Jesus is mine, this is mine. I think we also sang Wonderful Grace of Jesus. That's all that cute. Can you imagine singing that with four people? It had to be awful. That church started growing. Started going. It's hard to believe that in that church came out of there, the young lady, Mark Swanch's wife, was out of that church. My, my sister-in-law, for all these many years, her mother and dad, they're now home with the Lord. And, and I just thank God that he sent me there. I learned so much. And I'd stay the afternoon. I'd go to the basement of the church and eat some sandwiches or something. And we'd have service that night and then drive home. I felt awkward in this backseat of a rambler car with a husband and wife in the front seat. But I, I enjoyed, I was in the ministry. And then Brother Reyes, they called me in. I said, Jack, we want you to go to Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. And they said, the pastor over there has a choir. I thought, oh boy. And they said, you're supposed to lead the choir and lead the congregation. And it was a larger church. I got so scared to death. You know how God did that? I wasn't looking for another journey. God just opened it up. Well, I was serving here. God just opened up. And they called me in the next year and said, Jack, we want you to go to a place where the pastor's wife just died. She was 45, left eight kids. Well, I knew that story because for some reason, I gathered the guys. We had a dormitory of two stories, a house, and we gathered them together. And I said, fellas, I want you to pray for this pastor. His wife is dying. And it looks, and then I remember she passed away on October the 4th, 1970. And I said, I said, I don't know these people. But I said, we, I, I've sung in that church one time about a year ago. That man became my father-in-law. I walked in the back door of the church on a Saturday morning and Dwayne Swanson, who has been my brother-in-law for all these years now, Dwayne met me in the back row on a Saturday morning and I looked at the board, uh, record attendance, 449. I thought, oh my, oh my goodness, dear Lord, what have I done? I can remember leading that church, leading the choirs and junior choir uh, with a girl that she came and played on Saturday morning with me. She played the piano, Cindy Swanson, who's been Cindy Treber now all these years. And, and we played, she played, we sang with the elementary, and then Sunday morning, the choir, Wednesday night, the choir, and then Sunday night, the teen choir, all began to grow. 
from 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 kids. And then we got a tour bus and we traveled over the Midwest. And God bless that. I never went looking. God bless to California. Never went looking. And I said, Lord, I, I want to stay a lifetime in one church. God's answered that prayer. God's people let us stay. I love the journey. But the journey goes so fast. And some of you, some of you, you're losing the journey because life is hard. Here's this man by the name of Saul. He's the king. He's head and shoulders above all other. I want us to go through this chapter briefly. I want you to see that God gave some instructions. Verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me. God sent a man of God to help him. Please let your pastor, I, I don't know what I can say. It's so like whenever I stood at the, the bed of a dying loved one, a member of this church, I don't know what to say. And when that last breath is taken, I do not know what to say. You think I should, but it's so hard, so awkward. Sometimes we were singing together. Sometimes we were just praying together. Sometimes we were just standing there. But I want you to know that God's going to give you a man of God. I wish you had a better one, but God's let me be that man. God's going to send you an agent woman, an agent man. God's going to send you a deacon or a Sunday school. Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me. Now, therefore, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Here's what the instructions were. Verse 3. And go, now go, smite Amalek and destroy and utterly, what's the next two words? Verse 3. And what utterly? Destroy how many? You destroy everything. Slay both man, woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, ass. The instructions, God, God's given us instructions in this book. Obey the instructions on the journey of life. I see secondly, verses four through seven, Saul apparently obeyed. He gathered the people together, he numbered them, and they came to the city, verse five of Amalek, and, and Saul said to the Kenites, go depart and get you down among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. And, and he said, so he smote the Amalekites from Havilah until the coming ashore. That's over against Egypt. He, he, he started off obeying on his journey. He, he, got the, he got the marching orders from the man of God who got them from God and, and, he, and he listened to the marching orders and, and, and then he began to apparently obey. But you get to verse eight, he runs his own agenda. Here it is. On your agenda, you can, on your life journey, you cannot run your own agenda. You will always destroy the remainder of the journey by trusting in your flesh. I find when I'm on a journey and I hit a detour and I hit a, I hit a, a, a rut in the road, I'm finding right then that is not the time for me to jump. That's the time for me to stand still and know and see that he is God. And here is on this journey, he begins to run his own agenda. And, and verse eight, and he took Agag. 
the king of the Amalekites, alive. That was total disobedience from God. God told him what to do, and he said, I'm going to take Agag alive and utterly destroy all the people with the edge of the sword. And he took the, and Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and he's disobeying, and oxen and fatlings and lambs. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to do exactly what God wanted me to do. I'm going to use it for his glory, but it's not. No, he just deliberately determined to run his own agenda. You know, when I, like you, I want to alter the road and the agenda and the journey. I find it's better to wait on God and obey what he told me to do than to find a new road and find a new journey. I don't know what day it was. It was early this week that God was revealing this to my heart. And he began to run his own agenda. By the way, verse 11, look at the disappointment, God's disappointment. It repented me that I set Saul up to be king. God was disappointed. You know, I never, I try not to, and I always talk about my parents. And I tried never to disappoint my parents. I, I just I used to sit right there for 30-something years. I, I miss my parents so much. I love them. I love their memory. I see their picture every day in different places. And I remember, and you've heard the illustration, I won't go on, when, when I Sunday afternoon destroyed my car because I did not obey my dad. When I ran that tractor into the car, it's a whole long story. I won't need to tell it tonight. My dad did not get mad. He was supposed to deliver it the next day to a client. I'll never forget it when that tractor got away from me because I disobeyed. I, I, I put it in the, the, the fastest gear and had the clutch in and left it out. I just disobeyed him, Brother Langston. I just disobeyed. I knew I could handle it. After all, I was 16. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I did a wheel stand with that tractor right into my car. The car I washed literally every single day. I'd get home from work at 10 and 11, 12 at night. I'd wash my car and put it in the garage. Every Waxed it once a week. Beautiful chrome rims, all the whole thing. I remember my dad standing on the driveway. My friends were out there watching I looked up and saw my dad. He didn't yell. He didn't throw his arms up. He, he just stood there. He put his head down and turned around and walked inside the house. You know, when I disappointed him, it disappointed me. I came in and said, Dad, I guess you saw what happened. <laughs> he goes, yes, son, I was supposed to deliver that tomorrow. Number one, you're gonna to have to pay for the repairs to the tractor. I have to order the parts, and we'll have to see if I've lost the sale on it. Secondly, we're not turning your car into the insurance. You're gonna to have to drive it that way for a while. The back bumper was sticking up like this, back wheel well was smashed in. When I knew I disappointed him, it hurt me so badly. God is disappointed 
with Saul. Don't, don't let God get disappointed on your journey. I think I'll do this. I think I'll go there. I think I'll, 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 I think I'll change churches. I think I'll, I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll, um, we come up with all sorts of things we're going to do. But it always disappoints God. I want you to see, and I won't be long, Samuel has to rebuke Saul, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, Samuel came to Saul. Saul said to him, blessed be thou, uh, of the, blessed be the, uh, the Lord. Isn't that amazing? He's spiritual. And then he said this, he, he convinced himself he was right. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He, he deceived his own self. No, he did not perform the commandment of the Lord. He disobeyed the commandment of the Lord. And sometimes we get on this journey so spiritual what we're doing, and it's doing exactly what God doesn't want us to do. And th th Samuel said, what meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the cattle of the oxen which I hear? Samuel rebuked Saul. What do you mean you're doing what God wants? No, you did not do it right. I never wish any ill on anyone that does not obey direction from the word of God, from church, or from parents. I, I never want the bad worst, but I know there's gonna be consequences. When our children were young, I said to my wife one time, isn't it amazing, whenever they disobey, it always comes to tears. Something happens because not Tabitha, she's sitting here, but Tiffany and Tim, they're away so we can talk about them. But it always led to tears. And may I say tonight that, that Samuel rebukes them quickly. Verse number 15, notice what Samuel, Saul does. And Saul said, they. Saul said, they. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. He blames the people. He says it again in verse number 21, but the people, no, Saul, you choke. Don't blame the people. How many times in revivals, well, it's the church. It's the church. It's a Christian school. It's my mother. It's my dad. It's Christianity. It's fundamentalism. It's King James Bible. We always blame Something, when you're blaming something else, it's indicating you're still guilty of rebelling against God. He blames the people. What a tragedy. Don't blame your Sunday school teacher. Don't blame your mother. Don't blame your dad. Don't blame your church. I grew up not far from here and I watched that in our church. Hey, that's why there's such a disdain in my heart for it. But I watch people get mad at our pastor, mad at his wife, and they leave the church. And they go to two other churches that basically started with people that had left our church. By the way, all three churches are gone now. And it's a tragedy to see, uh, you know, well, I tell you why I can't stand a church like this. Can't stand a church like our My pastor, I saw him in his coffin, Saw so his wife in his coffin, and then my brother-in-law had his dad's funeral, the pastor. I saw them in, in my, my, my pastor's wife in her coffin. 
She was a good lady. She taught us hymns and songs. She taught us how to read music. She taught us instruments and she went to camp and the pastor, they poured their lives into us. And then I'm gonna say, well, you know, the pastor and, and his wife, you know, they're a cult. They, they want us to live this way and act this way and talk now. I'm not a robot. I can do what I wanna do. That is Saul, he blames the people. I went to Golden State Baptist College. Well, I tell you what, they have rules. You gotta be kidding. We had more rules than we began 25 years ago. It is almost impossible to get kicked out of Bible college. I mean, they're not, the rules are not grievous. Get up in the morning, go to school. <laughs> That's not fair. Just, just get up and go. We don't even make you make breakfast. I prefer you not to because it costs us money. I want the students to eat breakfast. I want them to have some nourishment. Yeah, but we have chapel one day, uh, uh, every single day at 11 o'clock. Yeah, praise God. Well, then we gotta go to work. We have lunch at one and then we gotta be at work by two and we work till 11. I know, because when you graduate, you have your bill paid because you went to work and you learned to work and you didn't have to ask the government for money to get through school and you leave here generally with about $10,000 in the bank because you listen. Have enough money to buy her a Cracker Jacks ring the girl you're gonna get engaged to. And you have enough money to buy a car that she doesn't have to push while you pull the clutch out and let the thing start. Hey, uh, how hard are the rules? We got to say, well, you got to shut your lights off at 11. I wish someone would make a rule in our house that we had to shut them off at 11. I wish we got the marriage at 11 o'clock and the light was still on. You don't have to tell these kids they get in unless they're working a job till 11 or 12 or think at one is the curfew you have to be in. They, they don't say, well, I'm gonna stay, it's not camp. They find out that after two days in school, all of a sudden they have all this work and they have work on a job. They're gonna find out, I wanna go to bed at night. You know, we have uh, something we call writing papers. It's, it's like in law school, they write a lot of paper, many papers. We write papers for every class because if you can't put it on ink, you cannot express it. And you have to learn to express yourself in the written form. And I want you to know that there has to be rules. You can't blame people. Notice the rebuke, verse 16. Samuel said to Saul, stay. And I'll tell thee what the Lord has said unto me this night. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, when thou wast little in thy sight, thou hast not... Uh, thou art not made the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed thee to be king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey. He said, go utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. He said, I want you to know that you've been sent on a journey and you disobeyed your journey. Tonight as we get ready to close, I want to get on my journey. I'm on it. I want to stay on it. And I, by the grace of God, want to bring glory to him. I have so many preacher friends across this country. They've had to bury their wife, loved one, 
I've been at some of their funerals as they lay their wife to rest. I can't imagine that. And I've watched so many preachers do so well in honoring God. They're lonely. They're sad. The better part of their life, their mate has left to go to heaven. I've watched so many preachers do it so right. Do it so right. I've helped perform several services with preachers' wives. And you know, I've learned so much watching men of God bury their wives. I want you to know that it's not over for Saul because now he's going to have more deception. Yeah, yeah, Saul said to Samuel, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. Why will we not just admit I'm wrong? Just obey, verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. idolatry, Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. On your journey, just obey. I know. Uh, I'm certain many of you have heartaches that are greater than mine. And I imagine it's very difficult just to obey on your journey. I don't know what some of you know. But I don't think you can be a true pastor. And I know the Bible says he giveth his beloved sleep. But when you're a shepherd, sheep have kept me up my entire ministry. Some sheep kept me up last night. I was so troubled. So troubled. They know better. So bothered. Not mad, not angry, so hurt and disappointed. They know better. Yet they're doing wrong. How can you let a son or a daughter become a prodigal without affecting you? How can you let a church member become a prodigal or hurt? How can you let someone that you love do wrong with it not just hurting your heart? On the journey of life, you take all the people here that have raised families and they kept people in Sunday school and Sunday morning, maybe Christian school. I'll guarantee it, every family has a sorrow. I'll guarantee it. Without fail. I'd go to Bobby Robertson's church for 25 years to preach revival. It's the only place I was going on a Sunday for revival. Once a year. And people would say, well, he's getting old. He ought to retire. All those people in that church are white-haired and gray-haired. They're all getting old. That's what helped me. Because I got to know those people, and most of them are with the Lord now. Getting to know them, every one. This one said, pray for my grandson. He grew up at Gospel Light, and he's a drug addict. Oh, Brother Treber, he told me he's going to come tomorrow night. 
And he did call. You pray for my grandson. My grandson's in jail. I don't know if he'll get out for many years. You pray for my granddaughter. Oh, heartache after heartache. I tell you what I appreciate it. Those old, gray-headed, white-haired people were still there with sorrow. Let's close her down. Look at the last verse, 26, removal. Removal. As he said in verse 23, now he says it again. Samuel said to Saul, watch this. I will not return unto thee. I'm not coming back to talk to you again. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee. The Apostle Paul, if we'd have time, we'd go to look at his journey in 2 Corinthians. Night and a day in the deep. Shipwreck. Rods. Stone. And he said, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. At the power of Christ. God allows things to touch our lives, not to hurt us but to bring glory to him. Our Lord's journey, he was forsaken by all and betrayed. And he hung on a cross in pain and agony. He said, Father, forgive them. One, enjoy the journey. You're going to get older, you'll weep through a lot of the journey, but enjoy the journey. Two, expect detours. Expect detours. Three, never complain. Walk alone with God. Number four, never quit. Never quit. Number five, don't change directions. I'm going to do it on this road. I'm going to go this way. I'll travel over here. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go. Anywhere, tis heaven for me, where I may be, if he is there. I counted a privilege here, his cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. I think of one of our graduates and his dear wife in Hong Kong. It's really clamping down. And now, and I know I'm online, the communists are moving in as they're going into Taiwan. Communist China is going into Hong Kong. It's so impossible. It's so hard. Our missionaries in Japan, they're closing the country down. Other countries of the world, and I won't say I'm all online right now, the, the controls of our missionaries, it's harder than it's ever been. During COVID, they've been some of the ones I've been so burdened about. They're away from mothers and dads, grandparents. They're away from their church singing, when he reached out his hand. Some have tried to gather in underground type churches singing quietly. My heart aches for these missionaries. They're trying to keep the work going and they're not allowed to. Oh, one letter I read yesterday, Brother Poussin, I think they said they can now meet outside with 25 people. 
You know how hard and difficult that is? You go to Bible college for four years. You prepare. You go on deputation. You get money coming in. You finally go to the field. And then at the most outside, you can have 25 people all masked up and you can't sing. You know how difficult that has to be? You know how difficult that has to be for these, pure, these precious missionaries? I saw one of our missionaries, this letter from Mongolia. I saw our missionaries' letter from Madagascar. I saw our missionaries' letters yesterday from the South American countries. We're on a hard journey, right? Very difficult journey. God's going to have to give them wisdom as to what to do on their journey. But they can't act, they cannot, missionaries around the world are watching, right? You cannot, you cannot jump. Make sure whatever you're doing, God's going to lead you and guide you. You just stay in the way. You stay in prayer. You stay in Bible study. You stay in writing lessons and teaching online and preaching online and visit as you can. Our Father, Saul was sitting on a journey and he ruined the journey. God, I don't want to ruin my journey. I don't want to wreck it, destroy it because of fear or because of self. I pray that God, you do something special here tonight. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.